The Audio Ballads present Citizen Pain, Episode Five. We wanted to watch the funeral parade go by. Parade? Huh? See that old dog cart over the way? Four of his friends are gonna load the coffin on that and drive him up to New Rochelle. What say we follow the cortege anyhow? It's a twenty-mile walk. Yes. But it's a walk with history. To pass the journey, I'll tell you the story of Tom Paine's life. How far to go now? How far? I don't know. I'd say what, around nine or ten miles? It just seemed that it was all coming to an end. America wins the War of Independence. That's right. Then he declares he's gonna give it all up and. Build some kind of bridge out of iron. The choice of building material is not relevant to my point. My point is, seems he's now back in England, where he started out. Where he started out, and something tells me he's gonna start putting the cat amongst the pigeons in that locality. Well, you're just gonna have to wait and see. First, you need to know what old King George the Third was up to. Damn the French! Damn them! Your Majesty, Mr. Edmund Burke is here. Your Majesty. They brought it on themselves, supporting those ruffians in America against me. Now look what they have unleashed! Your Majesty will recall that we spoke of what use we may make of Mr. Burke's talents. What? Eh? Who? What is he? Uh, a spy? Burke? Burke? I know no Burks. And Mr. Burke is a parliamentarian. Even worse. What is called monarchy always appears to me a silly, contemptible thing. Mr. Burke is on our side, Your Majesty. Mr. Burke, His Majesty is alarmed at developments across the Channel. As well he may be. I compare it to something kept behind a curtain. Can you hear them? About which there is a great deal of bustle and fuss. Your Majesty. And a wonderful air of seeming solemnity. The peasants. They're on the march. Uh, inside my head. But when, by any accident, the curtain happens to be open and the company see what it is, they burst into laughter. His Majesty, as the corporeal embodiment of the nation, experiences political tumult more viscerally than we less rarefied souls. Crunch, 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 go their horrible, dirty boots. They cry out for blood. What is its purpose, do you think, Mr Burke, this... Vulgar assemblage of cider squeezers and pot wallopers that has coalesced into a mob in my cranium. Hmm? What, sir? What then is it? Mischief, Your Majesty. Mischief? Mischief? If murder be mischief, then I, sir, mischief it is. If regicide be mischief, if high crimes and misdemeanors be mischief, it is America all over again. They stole half my kingdom away from me, those musket-wielding troglodytes. How can it be? The finest troops money can buy against a ragtag army of dirt farmers and shopkeepers. His Majesty is aware that I spoke in support of American independence. A whole continent lost! And most eloquently, Mr Burke. His Majesty does not hold grudges. I would have them all drowned in a sack like dogs. If only I could get them from out of my head. Indeed, Mr. Burke, your eloquence was such that His Majesty feels it might be brought to bear in the service of your country. You do not, I take it, cherish the possibility of an outcome similar to that in the erstwhile thirteen colonies here at home. Good Lord, no. The case is altogether different. For one thing... Uh, Quite. Put it in writing, Mr. Burke... Give us a proper tour de force. (laughs) Excuse my French. 
Rally the country around the king. Make the case for our way of doing things. The king in parliament, the established church, the benefit to the whole nation of inherited wealth and inherited power. And that should keep you busy. Good, yes. One thing. Yes. Payne. Payne. Thomas Payne, author of Common Sense. Eh? What? Common Sense? Ah. That... Bastard. He's in the country. Fermenting dissent. I say he called me mad, just... Uh, Not presently. Not majesty, but mad, just... Uh, you see, mad, just... Uh, he currently occupies himself in the preparation of an iron bridge. Me? Mad? How do you know this? Where is that damnable pamphlet? He was with me not two months hence. If I hear one more word of buttments and ribs and pig iron, I swear I shall tear out my own ears. Here, see, he calls me uh, a sottish... Stupid. Stupid. Stubborn. Stubborn. Worthless. Worthless. Brutish man. I see. Me. Sottish. Sottish. But if I go to press, he will follow. Be sure of it. You're the sottish one, sir, if anybody be sottish. Then let battle commence. Mr Edmund Burke has published his attack on the French Revolution and the system of representative government and in defence of government by hereditary succession, a thing which is in its nature an absurdity because it is impossible to make wisdom hereditary. I must say, Mr Pitt, mine has proven to be a capital notion of getting Burke to pen this treatise. Read it, sir. Read it. I have done so, Your Majesty. Why, it does one good. It does one the very world of good. Every gentleman should read it. Let us earnestly hope they shall, Your Majesty. He shows up that French rabble for what they are. It looks to me as if we are in a great crisis, not of the affairs of France alone, but of all Europe. Perhaps of more than Europe. I flatter myself that I love a manly, moral, regulated liberty as well as any gentleman. But am I to congratulate a highwayman and murderer who has broke prison upon the recovery of his natural rights? Admirable sentiment. Ah, that kicks it up, am I, does it not? Hear that in there, you monstrous swarm! Uh, Quite so, Your Majesty. Yet, as we feared, the radical pain has responded. What are the present governments of Europe but a scene of iniquity and oppression? The revolutions of America and France have thrown a beam of light over the world which reaches into man. Ignorance is of a peculiar nature. Once dispelled, it is impossible to re-establish it. Preach the gospel of common sense. But no right-minded Englishman will heed that prating Bedlamite with his rights of man. Are you with Payne or Edmund Burke? One of them sane and one berserk. Madness is revolting, so revolting must be madness. Payne cries revolution, spinning like a top. Burke has the solution. Stop. That's more sense, what? Very good point. I'm informed, Mr. Pitt, that already some 12,000 copies of Burke's treatise have been sold. It is an unstoppable tide of good sense. Yet Payne's book is even now in its third edition, with some 50,000 copies passed into circulation. 50,000? 50,000? Can nothing be done to arrest this wave of filth? Has it been made clear to the publishers where their duty lies? The pressure has been applied, Your Majesty. 
but Payne's waiving of royalties in order to facilitate a cheap edition hasn't helped us. By God, is the man such a scoundrel that even self-interest will not deter him? We should have banned the thing when we had the chance. Payne's dedication of the book to the president in America places us in diplomatic difficulties where outright suppression is concerned, your majesty. Don't talk to me of that popping Jay Washington. We must rely on Burke's arguments striking home. Pipe down in there. Stop your damnable jeering. It is asserted the people of England have three fundamental rights to choose our own governors, to cashier them for misconduct, and to frame a government for ourselves. They utterly disclaim such a right, and will resist the practical assertion of it with their lives and fortunes. Well good That men should take up arms and spend their lives and fortunes not to maintain their rights, but to maintain they have not rights is an entirely new species of discovery and suited to the paradoxical genius of Mr. Burke. <laughs> That's telling him! <laughs> the Lord's spiritual... To prove this, he quotes a declaration made by Parliament about a hundred years ago go to William and Mary at the so-called Glorious Revolution of 1688. And temporal and commons do in the name of the people aforesaid meaning the people of England then living most humbly and faithfully submit themselves, their heirs and posterities forever to the end of time. There never did, there never will and there never can exist a parliament possessed of the right or the power of binding posterity to the end of time. They might as well have passed an act to have authorised themselves to live forever. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. That's telling him. Hurrah for Thomas Paine and the New Jerusalem. Now let every man decide. Are you with Burke or Thomas Paine? Let's make the circumstances plain. For Burke a revolution's fine, so long as it is glorious to every matter weighty pertaining to the state. He answers 1688. I have never heard such dangerous nonsense. Chaos and confusion, sir, that's what you are arousing. A ludicrous illusion, sir, that's what you uphold. A dangerous delusion, sir, that is what you're espousing. We can make the world anew. You'll be sorry if you do. I think our happy situation owning to our constitution. Can Mr. Burke produce the English constitution? Well, there isn't one. If he cannot, we may fairly conclude that though it has been so much talked about, no such thing as a constitution exists or ever did exist. The course of succession is the constitution. Rubbish. Nature teaches us to revere individual men on account of those from whom they are descended. The idea of hereditary legislators is as absurd and inconsistent as that of an hereditary mathematician or an hereditary poet laureate. A lot of self-serving Tory nonsense. Down with inherited power! It's time to choose! Are you with Burke or Thomas Paine? Just look at that smirk of pure disdain. He claims he is of high descent, so condescends dissenters. It's not how your big got wits aren't a right by birth. Paine shows that up for what it's worth. So what, is a common labourer to lord it over his betters? The proper order of mankind, that's what we are defending. Well, completely redesigned, that's what we propose. An idea in the almighty's mind is what you'd be appending. We'll see that nonsense swept away. The law will see you kept at bay. 
I feel sure that the clear voice of sanity that is heard in Mr. Burke's pronouncements will cut through the clamour for revolution. And yet, now more than 100,000 copies of Payne's book have passed over or under the counters of the nation's booksellers. Not to mention those translations appearing across the continent. Damn the ignorant impertinence of the swinish multitude! Will they not heed their betters? Nobility is graceful ornament to the civil order. It is the Corinthian capital of polished society. (laughs) Titles are but nicknames. In France, the folly of titles has fallen. It has outgrown the baby clothes of Count and Duke and breached itself in manhood. We in England fear God. We look with awe to kings, with affection to parliaments, with duty to magistrates, with reverence to priests, and with respect to nobility. If those to whom power is delegated do well, they will be respected. If not, they will be despised. Aristocracy is a kind of fungus growing out of the corruption of society, rather jeered at as an ass than dreaded as a lion. Is our monarchy to be annihilated? And all the ancient corporations of the kingdom? Is every landmark of the country to be done away with in favour of a geometrical and arithmetical constitution? What is called the splendour of a throne is no other than the corruption of the state. It is made up of a band of parasites living in luxurious indolence out of the public taxes. Are you with Payne or Edmund Burke? Let me explain how these things work. Only one of them is right. The one that's left is wrong. Well, Burke's not on the left, so Payne is in the wrong. An argument both deft and strong. I will not attempt in the smallest degree to refute Mr. Payne's arguments. This may be done by others, if such writing shall be thought to deserve any other than the refutation of criminal justice. I'm sorry to have to tell your majesty that Payne is emboldened to publish yet another book. Part two? Are you sure, Tom? Haven't you stirred him up enough to be going on with? Is there no way to thwart this incorrigible miscreant? Am I not king in my own kingdom to be laughed at and scorned? I've already tried all the underplots of abuse and scurrility without effect. And I've managed those in general so badly as to make the work and the author more famous. Hark! What is it, Your Majesty? They've gone quiet. Heaven be thanked. They're listening out for what Payne has to say next. I have so far got the ear of John Ball that he will read what I write. So then, 100,000 copies each of Rights of Man Part the First and Rights of Man Part the Second to be sold at sixpence apiece. No royalties to be paid to the author and uh, you'll understand if my name does not appear on the title page. Tell me the worst Adjutant General. The contagion is widespread, sir. Crofters in Scotland, Tin Man is in Cornwall, Shepherds in Cambria, Shoemakers in Nottingham, all are reading it. Every cutler in Sheffield owns a copy. The northern parts of Wales are infested by itinerant Methodist preachers discanting on the rights of man. In Highland, they load houses with these pernicious pamphlets and deliver them to mines and culprits. The peasants there are now forming themselves into citizens' harbies. In the town of Brecon in Scotland... Yes? There are plans afoot to plant a tree of liberty. A what? A, a tree of liberty, sir. A tree of liberty? A tree of liberty? Uh, yes, sir. Well, 
This blackguard has been given some rope, but we shall reel him in. Uh, now, gentlemen, as secretary, I declare this meeting of the Society for Constitutional Information over. The Prime Minister! Mr Speaker, His Majesty's Government hereby issues a proclamation against wicked and seditious writings. And uh, with great pleasure, introduce our guest of honour, Mr Thomas Pay. It being our determination to carry the laws vigorously into execution against offenders. I do not believe that monarchy and aristocracy will continue seven years longer in any of the enlightened countries in Europe. Now, Adjutant General, Let us see to it that this tree of liberty is cut down before it curls its tangled branches around all our throats. Sir? Put spies on him four and twenty hours of every day. I want him followed everywhere, to his very privy and back again. Who could have foreseen that a French National Assembly would ever have been a popular toast in England, or that a friendly alliance of the two nations should become the wish of either? It shows that man, were he not corrupted by governments, is naturally the friend of man. Get some pamphlets written and printed up. Money, no object. It is too soon to determine to what extent of improvement government may yet be carried. Let's tell some tales about Mr Payne's dubious past. If they're true, all the better. If not, then make them taller to compensate. But what we can foresee, all Europe may form but one great republic. A man be free of the whole. I take it these... Pay nights meet in taverns. Quite so, sir. Have the landlords bar them. What if they will? They will if they value their damned licenses. From a small spark kindled in America, a flame has arisen not to be extinguished. And stir things up. Stir? Yes, man, stir. Stir the pot. Uh, Elsa. Use your imagination. Freedom had been hunted round the globe. Reason was considered as rebellion. And the slavery of fear had made men afraid to think. But such is the irresistible nature of truth that all it asks and all it wants is the liberty of appearing. Headstrong Tom, aren't you the bold one? You've had untold fun raising Cain, ah, but from this moment, old son, we're in hot pursuit, so. I should be astute Go mute No More talk of mutiny would be, I fear So much the poorer Deprived of your amazing brain No more to hear That vile plethora Always praising pain My God! Now he talks of pensions to be paid to the aged. Is it better that the lives of aged persons be rendered comfortable? Or that a million a year of public money be expended on one individual and him of the most worthless and insignificant character? Universal education? On and on! Abolition of poor rates, provision for poor families, Donation of 20 shillings each for 50,000 births. Donation of 20 shillings each for 20,000 marriages. And all with detailed costings. How clever. There soon will be no pacifying them. You took your chance and had one hell of a run. 
Well, this isn't France, so say farewell to the fun. All that Gauls, so very Gallic, they love smart alecs over there. Your neck and balls might be metallic, still I would just take care. Well, ballads deriding pain have been distributed and are sung at numerous locations. Hmm. An association for preserving liberty has railed against pain and clergy have denounced him from the pulpit. Yes, yes, and... Effigies of him have been burned or hanged in Cambridge, Leeds, Grantham, Hickmanwake and Thetford. Gentlemen... Allow me to conclude this evening's proceedings with a toast to Mr. Payne and his propositions for making the world anew. Let the toast be the rights of man. The rights, the rights of, man. of man. Good. So now we issue a summons for the capital charge of seditious treason. Thomas Payne being a wicked, malicious, seditious and ill-disposed person. Mr Payne? Did write and publish a certain false, seditious libel concerning our present Lord King. Don't go home. Then watch him scurry. If you do, you're a dead man. We must fly to Dover and make haste about it. Government spies are everywhere. Delay and you will be arrested on a charge of seditious treason. I shall stay to contest the injustice of that prosecution, not upon my own account, but to defend the principles I have advanced in the work. Defiance is fine, all in its place, but when he is under circumstances such as these, pain, the same man simply flees, pain, you've done very well. There's no loss of face, you tore asunder Burke amongst your devotees. Pain, everyone agrees. Pain, you shifted states, you've shifted wars, you've shifted views on land and class. Now might we be so bold as to suggest to shift your ass? Call it some advice, we hope you'll heed. No time to spare on your valise. You'll hang around until the country's freed and your neck will get a little squeeze. Now let us make for Dover with all possible dispatch. And let's make sure that there's a little farewell party as the packet leaves the dock. I shall see to it straight away, sir. All aboard for the Calais packet. Sure he is. Pain, you damn scoundrel! Just get yourself aboard, Tom. Don't look round. What? Give him a duck head. The Attorney General has commenced a prosecution against me as the author of Rights of Man. Hurry, man! Had not my duty called me from England, I should have stayed to contest the injustice of that prosecution. Let's give him a quick coat of tar and feather for the journey. The duty I am now engaged in is of too much importance to permit me to trouble myself about your prosecution. Anchors away! Farewell, Tom. Bon voyage. We shan't see him on English soil again, I'll wager. When I have leisure, I shall have no objection to meet you on that ground. Sail away, Mr Payne. Take your pretty notions to the bosom of your beloved France. And may you find the viper that nestles there. At last... The voices, they are at peace. Thank you for listening to Citizen Pain. The voices you heard today belong to Andy Cresswell, Liz Hammond, Beric Livingston, Mark Nicholson and Paul Tibby. Tom Payne's words were all his own and the script and songs were by Paul Tibby. 
If you enjoyed the show, please post a rating and review on iTunes. And to find out more about this and future projects from the Audio Ballads, go to citizenpain.podbean.com. That's citizenpain with an e.podbean.com. dot dot com.